to the Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. One of the things I've heard over the years is that going to church should be like going to an NFL football game. And people, you never heard this? No. I've heard it many times, and I've seen it on Facebook over the years. And the argument is when we go to football games, I I remember seeing a video of an NFL football game. It's 1130 in the morning. The gates open. Hundreds of people, I think this was Dallas, hundreds of people flood in to the standing room only area to go get their spot in uh, at the football game. And then they spend the next four hours yelling, chanting, roaring, unified. And they're, they're just so exuberant, excited, ecstatic to be there. And the argument is, why, why don't we do church like that? Why isn't church like that? Why, why aren't people more excited to go to church? Why aren't people, when the gates, when the doors open, which I don't think people want to be there when our door opens every Sunday, <laughs> when, when the doors open, why are we not rushing in to go, uh, to go have that experience? Meantime, we've got Manuel Tuscaloosa over here that has, as you've shared this morning, uh, at some, some point in your yearly calendar or some days, tell us about it, you're actually planning services of lament, which sounds like, you know, let's just be a funeral on Sunday when it comes to, <laughs> you know, emotion and excitement. Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, it, it, church. sometimes church is already hard enough. You want to have a, a lamenting service <laughs> where you sing sadder songs and slower songs. And um, Michael, convince me to go to your church. I mean, what? <laughs> what what are we talking about? So um, speak a little bit about that really quickly, and then I, I think just, you know, this gives us opportunity to think about the place of grief, lament yeah. in the church. Is there good grief? Is there a bad grief? Is there a good rejoicing? There, is there a bad rejoicing? Um, should there be spaces in our, our church uh, to grieve, and how do, we, how do we think about that emotion? So thoughts on that i show up to your church this week are doing lamenting what am i supposed to think about that yeah well it first of all it depresses me that people would be rushing in to see the cowboys i just um that that alone is (laughs) hey listen michael don't worry this is the year don't worry this is is, is nathan every single year our text conversations going into training camp is always this is the year oh man i feel you see mike mccarthy uh give his press conference to be like man i've I've never seen him be more focused i've never seen him dak is back man this is the year dak is back and he's jacked (laughs) jack dak is back all right he's jacked this year man he's like got he says he's dropped baby fat but he he's like whatever man he looks like he's been working out in a prison yard. He's like, he's huge, dude. Maybe he knows he's going to prison. Hopefully not. Yeah. I, don't <laughs> I don't know, man. He's He is he is a beast, but uh, whatever. I, this is not 
we're always going to yeah. be losers. Anyway, so it depresses me, first of all, that people would rush in um, to, to see that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it comes to, and especially the quote, like that you read, or not, I guess you didn't read a quote, but the, the phrase, you know, why aren't we like that? And mm-hmm. once you finished it, I have heard that before, um, that kind of sentiment. And um, it's, but it's typical of our, like our, uh, the kind of world where we live in, right? Mm-hmm. The kind of church culture that we're in, that people would think that our agenda on Sunday morning is to be pumped up for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that when you leave, if you're not, if you don't walk out the door on Sunday, you know, amped for Christ and, um, and just, you know, over the moon excited on that kind of mountaintop experience, like what you might find at a, a you know, a camp, um, then it, you didn't actually worship in there. And, you know, I think so much of what we're seeing now too is a church culture that was formed by a youth group in the nineties, you know, and that, those are the adults that have kids. They were formed by youth group in the nineties where there were arcade games and there was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mountaintop experiences and there was a high coming back from Dean disciple now and, and youth mm-hmm. camp and super summer and all of these different kinds of events that you would go to during the, during this, the, the summer. And, you know, you would come back and you'd be on cloud nine mm-hmm. for Jesus and you'd really feel like you had worshiped. And then you'd go into a, a Sunday morning worship service and it's like, praise God. And you're just like, man, this is, couldn't be any more boring. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've got a whole church culture now that's like, that's built up on that should be the norm. Why am I not seeing that on Sunday morning? But I, th- so I think the, the Bible is just depicting worship differently than what we ever really experienced in, you know, at youth group and things like that, that, um, there is, there is a full range of emotions that the Bible is giving to the, the Christian that are all to be brought into our, our relationship with the Lord. There's, you know, we're, we're talking a little bit about grief this morning, but there's, you know, a number of different uh, there's there's joy obviously, but there's also sadness and sorrow that mm-hmm. are supposed to be a part of the worship service. So for us, we we try you know I, typically we plan a um, some sort of service of lamentation. Um, normally it's around during the summer we preach ten psalms. So mm-hmm. we start uh, usually somewhere in May once the college students leave. We start. Um, a, uh, a summer in the Psalms and we'll start with the, you know, the, whatever it is, Psalm 31, it was this year, and mm-hmm. we'll go through Psalm 40 and then we'll stop and we'll transition to either go back to the book that we were preaching out of, or we'll go and preach a new one like this one. We're starting, uh, first Samuel, just because it was a natural transition for us. But the point is like whenever the lament, the Psalms of lament come up, and there's really no, in those some psalms of lamentation, there's really not much of a turn toward the Lord. It's just a, you know, a, a grieving. Um, it's hard to have a vocabulary for that in an age where everything is mountaintop, mountaintop, mountaintop. And everything mm-hmm. is like, you know, this is what you need to experience in worship. And if you haven't experienced this, you haven't worshiped. But I don't think David would say that about his Psalms of Lament. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he would say that those were not worshipful. This is in the Hebrew hymnal, after all, 
right? This is mm-hmm. their their essentially their hymn book. Um, so would he say these are inappropriate for worship to the Lord? I don't think he would say that at all. What about um, was it Psalm eighty eight that basically just goes is straight grief the mm. entire time? There's yeah. no turning. The, the at one all. psalm that doesn't have the. Uh, but I recall to mind, or there is hope, and oh, yet, yeah. you know, God still doesn't have that refrain in the chapter. Yeah, and we we've talked about that when we went through the depression right. uh, thing on this on this podcast. But, um, but yeah, the, I mean, when you think about uh, you know depression like that, and the that that is supposed to be a vocabulary you as a worshiper of the Lord have in your arsenal. And I think we're depriving uh, our people of a, a full worship experience with the Lord by not giving them that vocabulary, not teaching them how to express grief to the Lord when all they have is mourning. And and all, all they're surrounded with are, um, are, 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 is despair. How do they express that to the Lord? And if we don't have services where we just go, look, we are... We're grieving today, and we're going. We're going to grieve, and we're going to grieve with David. We're going to see how David grieves. We're going to let him teach us what our grieving should do, what it should accomplish. The sermon is going to be about grieving. Um, the the uh, you know you, our songs are going to be gr- grief driven, or they're going to be um, they're going to have a lot of grief in them, and um, and. So we're we're going to express sorrow, um, you know. Psalms uh, or hymns like "Lord from Sorrows Deep I Call" um, are beautiful expressions of just what it what it means to actually grieve in worship. And so, you know, our purposes in worship are not the same as our purposes in going to watch the Cowboys. Like in in watching the Cowboys, we grieve for a different reason. <laughs> <laughs> we grieve because the lamenting they are service so every week at twelve o'clock. It starts after yeah. the church service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we yeah. So it's just, in some t- cases, it's just one. I try not to have a grieving on the same day the Cowboys play, just because <laughs> it would just be grieving all day. But um, <laughs> but <laughs> but um, but yeah. I mean, you know, we grieve for different reasons. We grieve the Cowboys because they're so terrible. Um, we grieve, to but we, the Lord. we also grieve because we want them to be so good. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I, ne- I will never grieve the the Yankees losing. I, right. I'll never grieve the Philadelphia Eagles losing by forty. Yeah, I don't want them to win, right? Right. Which, I mean, yeah. not to get too serious too quickly, but that really is part of what em- the emotion of grief is. It's yeah. not. It's not just a moral, uh, just a, a vacuum where just a feeling is just a feeling. It's something that you want. It's something that you wish you had. It's something that you lost. It's something that you loved. It's something that you hated. And the emotion of grief is your response to something that you desired, something you didn't have. The the person, you know, the single uh, woman who is wishing and hoping and waiting for that man to propose and doesn't and feels grief, she wanted something. Right. If she didn't right. want that man to propose, she wouldn't feel grief when he took his time. <laughs> right. If you if you right. didn't love someone when they died, you wouldn't feel grief when they died. Right. Uh, so so grief isn't just a, just a kind of an abstract thing that happens. 
you know. Right. Um, so I'll add real quick the, you know, to kind of have us thinking. Uh, there's a a little pamphlet. It's so short. Um, you could you could read it in like 20 minutes at, you know, or maybe less. Uh, it's a booklet by uh, CCEF, and it's written by Cheryl Bell. And her definition of emotions is, as created beings, human emotions reflect the image of the one who created us to be um, like him. That's not it, actually. Emotions are outwardly expressed personal responses, so outwardly expressed personal responses to life events and perceptions of reality that reveal the thoughts, desires, and motivations of the inner person. So our sadness, our tears, our low face reveal things that we are thinking, that we desire, or the things that we want, or motivations that we have. Uh, that That's really helpful, I think, mm-hmm. um, to just understand grief not as kind of an ism itself, but as the expression, the, the outwardness of what we think, want, or what motivates us. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. And so when we when we come to, you know, football games and church and funerals and proposals and when our dog dies, uh, all those opportunities for grief reveal something that we wanted or loved yeah. along the way. And yeah, and so you know, with um, to take the long way to respond to your question, yeah. uh, <laughs> um. You know, we we do a uh, service as a lament because, you know, we we think that you should grieve, and we want to draw attention to that to the to the church body. We think you should. We don't think it's bad. I've had people actually tell me before that they don't want to be in church after either it's after somebody dies or after um, you know something like that because they would just be a blubbering mess and nobody needs to see that. Mm-hmm. And if the agenda in church service is get past all those things that make us sad, let's be happy. Yeah. Let's think about the happy things. If I see one more funeral service that is a celebration, I'm I mean, it drives me nuts every mm-hmm. time I see it. Because it, it's it's not biblical. The the body in the casket is a reminder that the curse is still on us. Mm-hmm. And Paul is very clear that it's when Jesus returns that death is robbed of its victory. Mm-hmm. And and right now, the sting of death is in that casket. Mm-hmm. And it should sting. Mm-hmm. And it should make us feel sorrow and grief. And we mm-hmm. treat it like it's a cuss word. You know? And it's not. You know? You're at a funeral and it's like, well, lift your head up, quit crying. This is a celebration. Mm-hmm. No, this isn't a celebration. Yeah. This is a time of mourning. This shouldn't yeah. be the case, but it is the case. Yeah. And it should remind us that we want Christ to return. Do Do you think though there's some Christian freedom in that? In that the Christian hopefulness and the assurance of someone in faith allows us to. What what I would usually say at, at a, when people want to, I tell people at funerals pretty often, if you feel happy today, you don't have to feel guilty, right? If you feel hopefulness in Christ and you are happy about the the life God gave this person, while at the same time you got tears rolling down your face and you're sad because they're gone, the complexity of emotion is actually 
part of the image of God. So if you yeah. feel happy, you don't have to feel guilty. But if you feel sad, yeah. you, you also don't have to feel like you're supposed to be happy. Um, right. There's not necessarily a sinfulness about having the ability to celebrate because of the hopefulness of the resurrection. But the idea that, um, hey, we're not going to mourn, right? We, we, you know, that kind of dogged, we're not going to be sad. We're going to be happy because we're Christians is actually kind of an could be for some an escapism from the feeling of grief itself yeah. and the experience yeah. of grief altogether um and it, it, yeah. it, it it's hard sometimes to discern what people's motives are and especially when people are grieving um we we don't know how to grieve well usually and so we do, we have all kinds of reactions you know um and so we think i'm supposed to celebrate and so we try to celebrate because uh, we think we're supposed to, um, and uh, and God God bless people who try to express you know their faith and their hope in the resurrection when they think they're supposed to be celebrating and so they try to. I mean, pr- I think praise God for that. I think there's there could be healthy motivations in there, but there is a sense in which maybe some don't realize. Actually, we, we, we grieve death. It's actually really bad, and 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 when we lose those we love. We, there is an ought to the grieving um what was what, what you're getting at which i think it's yeah. really helpful to bring that up so you're you're saying that just like some might show up to a, a church service on sunday and go this is kind of drab why isn't this more like a football game why aren't we more excited why aren't we why aren't we all standing up and yelling and screaming and shouting and um someone might show up and go why is everyone so happy yeah. Why why is why is everyone act like life's not hard? Why does right. everyone act like everything is as it should be in the world today? Mm-hmm. And no one gets me. Mhm. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, I I think so often we don't consider that there are other people in the room. Mhm. And that sometimes those other people are dealing with things that you don't even know about. Mhm. Uh, it could be private sins. It could be health issues. It could be uh, uh, family issues. It could be uh, financial issues and a whole host of other things mm-hmm. that they might be dealing with. And for them, they need, well, for everyone, they need categories of thought that are beyond, hey, just get over it and cheer up. Yeah. And and I th- I'm telling you, I think so much of that is built into us from perhaps maybe our, our church culture growing up. Um, everybody's got parents or family members that are like, don't really want to talk about emotions, don't really want to talk about complexities and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so what do we have in the church? We have a, we have a situation where uh, depression isn't talked about and because, you know, that's what, that's when people that have something wrong with them, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's what, you know, that's what they've got or whatever, you know, that's, that 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 somebody has has problems right there. They're they're depressed and um, or they caught a disease, you know, and they're un, kind of untouchable and and so the people don't talk about it or they're not even prepared. Like so so you know, a member of their family will die, a close member like a spouse or something like that, mm-hmm. and they'll they'll say, you know, I was, six months later I was in the grocery store and saw her, you know, favorite cereal or whatever, and it just it just caught me off guard and I started weeping right there in aisle two mm-hmm. you know as if that's a strange thing yeah as if that shouldn't happen like yeah. you know why Almost is like that you're happening embarrassed. to me 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you mean? Why is that happening to you? She was one flesh with you, yeah. and she died. Yeah, and you're—I mean, you're—you're you're gonna have reactions to that that sometimes you're not even really able to process because it's like it, it death is is it death is unnatural. Mm-hmm. We treat it like it's natural, but it's unnatural. It's supernatural, actually. It, it's a it's a curse given to us by God as punishment for sin. Mm-hmm. And every time someone dies, it's a reminder sin is still in effect in this world, and it won't be erased, and the veil won't be pulled back, and you know this will still be the case. People will still die until Jesus comes back. Right. And it should produce in us a longing. So I'm with you. We don't mourn. We don't grieve as those who, who have no hope. That's for sure. We grieve as those who have hope mm-hmm. because Jesus will come back and we won't grieve anymore. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Paul's intention there is to say that we shouldn't grieve. Hey, quit grieving as those who have no hope. Instead, be happy. I don't think he means that at all. Mm-hmm. Just know that there's a there's a terminus to mm-hmm. this, to yeah. your grief. There's all kinds of instances, possessions, uh, relationships uh, that can be sources of grief, and we're gonna get into it a little bit here. But sometimes grief could be sinful. Sometimes not grieving in Scripture is sinful. Um, Jesus grieved. He had this emotion, and it was good. Paul intentionally grieved the Corinthian church uh, for for purposes. So I think one of the things we want to, as we kind of think about grief, one of the things we have to do that as you were getting it with the person in the aisle is just, you know, it, just clarify the the falsehood that grief is always bad, rejoicing is always good. And it's just like yeah. that plastic, this is bad, this is good, run from grief, run to joy. Yeah. And, and another falsehood, that grief means everything is hopeless. If you're right. grieving, well, to, to grieve and to be in the state of grief, well, you're, you're admitting that nothing will ever be better just by experiencing that emotion, you know? And kind of yeah. what a weakling. What a, well, don't you trust the sovereignty of God? Don't you believe in the resurrection? Um, I, I think we, we more, I don't know many people who counsel that way, but I think we just tend to apply our theology that way sometimes if we're not careful, even from the pulpit, even in our devotions, you know, that our thinking about God and his power and his sovereignty and the mercy and the grace of the gospel means we should never feel those things, uh, that it should yeah. only produce these kinds of experiences in life. And uh, Jesus is, um, you know, you know the, the the perfect character nature of God, and that wasn't true for him. Yeah, uh, that he was kind of saved from those experiences. Um, that that the, you know, even though the fall had, did not touch him, and and sin did not become him, he was never tempted and overcome. He felt grief and he grieved, uh, uh-huh. right things the right way. Mm-hmm. So, I I gave six passages. You might be able to think of some more. Uh, but I think just walking through these and just going, okay, what's grief look yeah. like in this context can really can really help anyone go, oh, that makes so much more sense. 
That's actually a, a deeper, fuller understanding of experiencing the emotion of grief. Yeah. The first one, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, and then in that list, verse 4. So Solomon is looking over the earth, trying to find uh, kind of what's it's kind of a what's the meaning of life, what what matters in the world. <laughs> uh, everything he sees is vanity. He's got swimming pools, he's got houses, he's got money, he's got kingdoms. Um, what what matters? Ferraris. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I mean, he didn't have a lot of horses, uh, so maybe that's the connection there. Yeah, stallions. That's where it came from. Ecclesiastes three one. There is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And then he goes, he has a long list of things. In verse 4, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. What I think Solomon's getting at here is you look around the world and you can't just say life is about laughing and dancing. If you're really honest about the world, there's time for weeping and mourning. But that is part of the human experience. Um... And that he's saying you can't, you, you can, if you want to try to make life about one or the other, you can. But it's going to be vain trying to find meaning there. But there's a time for all these things. And, it, and it's kind of an, you know, this is how it is kind of statement when you look around the world. Anything you would add to that or clarify? I just can't get out of my head this song from the birds. Oh, no. <laughs> so- I saw the look on your face, and I was like, "What is? Oh man, what? I don't." What, Every what, time I read that passage, I can't help but think. I have no everything. idea what you're talking about, by the way. What? No clue. You have, you've never heard. To everything, turn, turn, turn. Oh yeah, season. I guess I know. I know that tune. Yeah. It's the birds. Okay. Mornings are the birds. Thank you. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, All right. Your point was. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> I was talking about scripture. <laughs> and I've got a monkey with symbols in my head. <laughs> clack, 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 clack. <laughs> um, yes, we were talking about scripture. Uh, no, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think... Ecclesiastes gets that reputation for being the um, the <laughs> the everything is meaningless, you know, book. But it seems like it's a great counter narrative to everything that our world is putting out there. Mm-hmm. That in fact there is a season for grieving and mourning, yep. and that it's not it's part of the human experience, and it doesn't make you anti-Christian. It, it actually is expressing truly what um, what is the what is expected mm-hmm. in in God's word. Yeah, this is what life is like. It's yeah helping us clarify this is the world. Yep. Yeah. Here's another one. Lamentations three thirty three. Have you read uh, Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland? Uh, yes, most of it. Yeah. So this is a. A big section for him in that book. He, we were in elder meeting the other day, and one of our elders who was reading through it came in and sat down. He's like, "You got to hear this." Uh, he's reading about Dane Ortland talking about lamentations, and the whole book of lamentations is like 
don't laugh. Don't laugh. I know it's coming. Don't laugh. It's like a chiasm. It kind of comes in and then it folds out. And this verse is in the middle. Lamentations 3.33. Lamentations being that uh, you know, Jeremiah's mourning of his people going into exile and of uh-huh. the city of Jerusalem being destroyed. The people Is it chapter three, I think too, is a triple acrostic, isn't it? Yeah. If I'm remembering I, right. I, yeah. It seems to be that t- yes, I'll I'll give you that. I don't know. It's like sixty six verses or something. Yes. Or yep. something. Very long. Yeah. Yep. And so this is this is a lament. The whole book is a mourning, right? But yeah. right in the middle of it is verse three thirty three, and I'll pick up in verse thirty one. The Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. That apparently is the center of the whole book of Lamentations, both theologically and structurally. Isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. He doesn't grieve or afflict from his heart. Mm-hmm. He has. So I think what he's getting at is God's goal is not just to make you feel sad all the time. Yeah. He's. We're going to exile. The Jerusalem's done. Your houses are done. It's gone. Right. Most of you will never step foot back in Jerusalem ever again. Yeah. But I'm, this is not my heart for you. Right. Right. I have purposes and plans and tools and means for my glory and for your joy, but yeah. uh, it's going to actually go through this, and it has to yeah. for moral reasons and for holiness reasons and because of covenant reasons. Yeah. my The part that I immediately gravitate towards, though, is that he causes it. Ah, yeah. And... And and I think thirty three is meant to say he though he causes it, thirty two, he causes it. It's not as though he causes it for no good reason. Mm-hmm. That and that, and that's I think the you know, what we're saying, what we've been getting at is that ignoring grief is actually ignoring a gift that God has given you in order to grow. Mm-hmm. In order to grow in dependence on him, mm-hmm. that is in space dependence, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. independence, yeah. um, but g- to grow in, in dependence on him and to, to grow in your relationship with him, to grow in, what it, in understanding what it even means to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the call of discipleship is take up your cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. That's how, when Jesus had the opportunity to define discipleship, he defined it by crucifixion. Yeah. Not by mountaintop experiences. Yeah. You know? And and so these are given as a gift from the Lord to go through the throes of torture and torment, but mm-hmm. he doesn't he's not doing that as just a, because he he's got a magnifying glass and you're the ant and he wants to light you on fire mm-hmm. you know he's doing it for your good mm-hmm. and uh, to strengthen you mm-hmm. and it's it's good so I, I I love that in lamentations just that that picture that that's what he's doing for his children yeah and this is such a good discussion to have <clears throat> such a good discussion to have before you find yourself grieving because 
I, I, the way I've said it often is grieving can be a really bad place to develop theology. It's it's difficult there. That the deeper, the heavier, the grieving, the harder sometimes it can be to get your mind wrapped around new theology. It and it tends to really reveal theology. The idea that God causes grief, it we can find we can find it being revealed in our grief that we think God causes joy and happiness, and so we have a lot of reason to give Him credit and praise for things that bring us joy. But when God causes grief, we're kind of like, well, why would God allow that? And we don't, we don't, our theology changes that we don't give God immediate credit. We think God could have done something, but He didn't. God should have done something, but He didn't. And it reveals a theological uh, you know, belief, and it reveals something we were trusting God for, something we were wanting from God. It reveals potentially a prosperity kind of gospel where we thought God was a provider of good things, of comfort and safety and health and wealth. And when that doesn't happen, we are confused about who God is altogether. Right. Yeah. As if it says something about you. Mm-hmm. You know, um, something strange is happening to me because I guess it's that I don't have faith or whatever because I'm in grief. Mm-hmm. Well, what? What are you talking about? You have to scrub out entire Bible books. Right. You know, to, to come to that conclusion, mm-hmm. which is unfortunately what a lot of the prosperity gospel does or has to do. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Um, so uh, we've got Lamentations, which helps us uh, understand God causes grief, uh, I mean, in a, in a national corporate way. Uh, and he does so in Lamentations because of their sin and idolatry. Um, he doesn't do this, however, from his heart. It's not God doesn't just love grieving people; that He, you know, He just kind of has fun doing that as a pastime. Um, but that He is nonetheless uh, one who can and will, by His sovereignty, cause grief. And you know, it, part of the covenant aspect of this in verse thirty-one, just to before we move on, the Lord will not cast off forever. I think that's part of the covenant expression with His people that we're in covenant with God, right? So that if you're in Christ. You can have this knowledge that there is a resurrection, there is a forgiveness, there is a redemption that is on the other side of death that we won't be cast off forever. So you can know this grief is temporary, this grief is momentary, and and it will pass. Another passage for us to consider is Amos chapter six, verse four through seven. And uh, here we're going we're going to see that there ought to be grief, and there's not grief. In uh, the book of Amos, uh, written to the people of uh, Israel, um, this is early eighth uh, century BC, sixth century BC, something like that, uh, before the exile, uh, and they're being uh, warned that the exile is coming, and it's not. Uh, these are Amos is tough. Um, God's not happy uh, with Israel because of their sin and idolatry. Um, so in Amos chapter 6, we have uh, a woe to the people of Israel. Woe to those who lie in beds of ivory and stretch themselves out on their couches and eat lambs from the flock and calves from the midst of the stall who sing idle songs to the sound of the harp. I mean, does that sound familiar? Almost like we were talking about earlier. We're, we're just getting together to sing. Mm-hmm. We're getting together to be like everyone's happy. It's ain't a funeral, it's a celebration service. (laughs) Uh, And like David, invent for themselves instruments of music. 
who drink wine in bowls <laughs> and anoint themselves with the finest oils. Uh, I think it's talking about like perfumes and things. Maybe maybe essential oils. Maybe that's part of the problem. I don't know. It's condemning essential oils. We're going with it. <laughs> but, so they're sitting on their couches. They're eating meat. They're making music. They have the finest oils. They're drinking wine. But, end of verse 6, they are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. Mm. Everyone's all happy, but they're not grieved over the ruin. I think Joseph is short for Israel. That you are in sin, you are far from God, and you're about to be judged. In another passage in, uh, in Amos, you know, God says, I hate your songs and your festivals. Because it's because you're doing that while you're living in injustice. And you ought to be repenting from all of your un- unjustness. So he says in verse 7, Therefore they shall now be the first of those who go into exile, and the revelry of those who stretch themselves out shall pass away. Hmm. So God looks down and sees, You ought to be grieving your sin and your spiritual state and the future of this people, and instead... You guys are having a party. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the New Testament remembers in First Corinthians of Israel, they ate and they drank and they rose up to play. They're just happy. They're just totally ignorant of things that ought to be causing great, great sadness and unhappiness, mm-hmm. the state of their sin. So there is a place and there is a time when unrighteousness and sin about a land and about a people uh, and particularly about the people of God in sin, ought to make us grieve. Mm. And when God looks down and he doesn't see that grief, um, it's part of the ungodliness uh, mm. that we can that we can find ourselves in. Yeah. Anything you'd add to that? And, it's, and obviously we're talking here, I make the joke about the funeral service, but I think more he's talking about the, the moral decay and moral ruin of people who should know better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I'm going to draw a straight parallel, there, there's so much now in, I think, the American church that just breaks my heart mm-hmm. that it's like church after church and service after service is all built on smoke and lights and, you know, rock concert and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. so much stuff that I'm like has nothing to do at all with the worship of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And all of it, and I'm not trying to be holier than thou, but just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all of it is is just, it's smoke and mirrors meant to entertain. Mm-hmm. Everything is built on entertainment. Everything you hear about s- preaching, sermons, well, people don't want to hear that anymore. Let's bring in the cafe mm-hmm. tables. Let's sit beside it. Let's, you know, let's relate. Let's have a conversation. Everything is built on the comfort and convenience and the, the attraction of the people that are in the congregation. And... And we should be grieving over that. This is a, a travesty mm-hmm. that this is what we've actually turned the worship of the Lord into. And it's, I mean, there's tons of moral decay and ruin, I think, as a result of that. It's just, it, you know, the, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sign to us, I think a, a message to us, that when God has given grief, it's sinful to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and it reminds me of the song. You might be able to remember it. I couldn't remember if it's Cabin's Call or I think it's Derek Webb. And the he, birds, I think is what you were talking about, the birds. No, 
Exactly. It talks about, I can't remember the line. We're going to open the about, podcast with that song. No, I'm just <laughs> okay. Well, you can have it. He, he talks about smiling faces on billboards and how it, it people come into church with the idea, they see the billboard, so-and-so church, smiling family, matching polos, come to this church, everyone's going to be happy. And you get in and you realize, A, the church ain't that pretty. And nope. B, life's actually really hard and sometimes really sad. Yeah. And it actually, the, the advertisement proves to be untrue eventually. Yeah. The advertisement, they're like, those, that was a stock photo. I ain't seen those people in here. <laughs> <laughs> the stock photo is always multi-ethnic. And it's like, you walk in and it's the whitest church you've ever been into in your life. And you're like, what? Where were those people? That was a stock photo yeah. they purchased. <laughs> I was with a conversation with a guy that preached at our church a while back. And he was looking through um, churches in the Central Texas area, uh, websites, to see how we portray ourselves and how we put pictures on our site to communicate what. And and do we look like kind of prosperity uh, churches uh, or uh, consumeristic entertainment churches that portray up in pictures of happiness and good and come here and like we're like we're the YMCA or something and mm-hmm. Uh, and he was watching to say, do we actually portray that? Because I think I can fall into that too. Like, what do I what do I want to do? Put a picture of a funeral on our website? <laughs> come come to our church. We're going to be sad again this Sunday. Well, no. I mean, that's not. It's not that. But we it's, don't take pi- it can be. When we do take pictures of the congreg when we do take pictures of the congregation, we don't take it during the summer when nobody's there. <laughs> everybody's on vacation. Exactly. We yeah. take we take it on Easter Sunday from yeah. the right yeah. angle, so it looks like the whole place is packed. <laughs> everybody's. Or you just get an angle from the second row with that's really yeah. full. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This church is full every Sunday. People yeah. get there and they're like, "Man, I can sit anywhere in here. Yeah. <laughs> we don't even need ushers." So there's that is there, there there's so much in Amos that is really close to modern wealthy Western Christendom, mm-hmm. and. If we run from grief, we might find ourselves on our couches. Literally, that's the passage. Stretched out on our couch, having a good time. We ought to be grieved yeah. over sin and the, whole, and, the, and the loss of the glory of God and his people. And the whole book of Amos is really helpful in grabbing the, the context of what's really going on. Mm-hmm. You know, the northern kingdom often called Ephraim, which I think is why he calls it Joseph here. Ephraim is one of Joseph's kids. Mm-hmm. But um, um, Ephraim, or Israel, the northern kingdom, is in absolute ruin, and they're they're abusing people. There's injustice left and right. They're taking advantage of the poor. And the rich, having taken advantage of the poor, are now sitting on their beds of ivory mm-hmm. and eating, drinking their bowls of wine. And when they should be lamenting at the injustices going on around them, mm-hmm. you know, I think, you know, and even just with the recent overturn of Roe v. Wade and, and all that, like mm. there were, there are injustices going on in this country that we can continually be aware of yeah. and we don't need to ignore and they're not curse words. Mm-hmm. They are things that we need to pay attention to regularly yeah. and, um, and call them out boldly when they're, when they're there when mm-hmm. they're in front of us 
Yeah, and we can um, find ourselves. I mean, not. I don't want to get down the politics road, but it's not that far from politics to really champion grieving Roe versus Wade, and yeah. you know that it, before it was overturned, and then rejoicing when it's overturned. But you kind of you kind of pick your political griefs, right? Yeah. You start getting to, to racial matters. I'm not trying to go down that road, but you don't you don't ever grieve anything, right? That that right. That, I mean, one of my things I'm learning about race racism is that when you see a shooting like you did with this guy that happened in, I don't remember where it was, that got shot so many times by the police, it was just crazy, flood of bullets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and you realize a people grieve. History leads a, a people to grieve, right? I'm not even going to go down the investigation politics, but what happens is you, we, we, don't, we, don't even, we don't have an inclination to grieve. Right. We politicize that. Oh well, that right. you know the guy shouldn't have done that. You know the police or the police, right. blah, blah blah. And we don't even think t- to right. grieve because we've right. we've taken life and relationships and we've sectioned them off into you know political podiums to stand on, so that grief is good over here and grief over here is bad because you're admitting some p- political position. I right. mean, we got to be really careful with that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and. Uh, uh, again, I, I I echo what you're saying. Like, I'm not trying to necessarily go down a racial thing. And we've had tons of conversations, you and yeah. I, about just different stuff like this. And and um, I think, you know, our natural, my natural, I'll just own it. My natural reaction is to go to the facts of the matter and go, but, but here are the facts. This is what actually took place. And at some point that does need to come to the fore. Obviously, we've got to talk about the yeah, facts of, of the case. But, um, and, and. I would say, you know, as we as people make conclusions about, um, you know, racism or different things like that as necessary because this happened, then that means that this person was racist or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think we've got it. That's where the facts of the case need to speak, mm-hmm. I think. But it does seem that Christians could go a long way into just knowing how to grieve mm-hmm. and to just and to just expressing grief mm-hmm. and to just go the f- the fact that so like the fact that somebody got shot right yeah. and the fact that Period. the fact that their yeah. life is over they they did something maybe terrible yeah. and they're and the police shot them let's say justly yeah. okay um and 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 their life is over the fact that we can't just grieve the situation why is there a problem like this going on where people feel the need to act this way why is there a, 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 a you know reaction against authority mm-hmm. that would that would lead to a situation like this? Mm-hmm. Why is this happening in society? It's it's evidence of sin that's just run rampant, mm-hmm. and that there's there's you know the the voice of the church has been marginalized. There's so many things in that to just grieve mm-hmm. for a minute, yeah, and to say. I don't want this to to be the case anymore. And it's almost like the words of John at the end of Revelation, come Lord Jesus, even so come Lord Jesus, are foreign to us, Mm -hmm. which is the the essence of our grief and our grieving with hope, which is kind of what we're getting to in a minute. But it is that, that feeling of, I don't want this to be the case anymore. Yeah. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of living mm-hmm. in 
you know, one thing, one shooting right after another. And, you know, a person walks into a grocery store and shoots up the place. It's hard to, it's hard. It, I, I don't necessarily lament when that guy's taken down by the police. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's, I'm glad that justice has taken place there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can still grieve the fact that somebody can just walk into a place and just shoot it up, mm-hmm. you know, and that's frustrating and I'm tired of hearing these stories and it's it's something that should produce in us a deep sadness that we want Jesus to come back mm-hmm. and to end this mess yeah you know I think another practical thing I would just add we we, it, we can one of the ways that we can get to a place where we don't grieve ruinous sinful tragic things is the numbing effect of the newsreel and social media where you you cannot adequately grieve 50 grievous oh, yeah. reports you scroll through facebook for 5 minutes there's gofundmes for cancer victims there's the news from chicago there's someone who's having the worst day of their life and they're expressing it on facebook and there's uh, there's news about what happened on july 4th there's you can't there's we're not omniscient we're not all-knowing we're not god we can't we don't have the capacity to to do that and one of the ways that we that we we dumb down and and numb our grieving is by absolutely overloading our knowledge of things that grieve us just seeing it over and over and also rejoicing i mean grieving i mean social media is always it's not the best day here's a picture of my cake and my vacation and my family at the beach or it's the worst day we can't even you just scroll through and you just be none of it even affects you none of yeah. it does anything to you um and right. the things that you do see you often just become the judge of them right so that kind of spending of your time looking at other people's lives scrolling past it is just training and never stopping to grieve anything. And we ought to ask ourselves, when I go through social media, how many grievous things do I see that I just I just blow by and I don't yeah. even think about them? Um, yeah. That's training for when we yeah. actually get in a situation that we, we actually have time and space to actually grieve something. I think it's something that we ought to be yeah. cautious about. Yeah. And if we're getting angry more than we're grieving, it should kind of... Yeah. <laughs> Say what, there's a lot to what, a lot what to value social media actually holds. I don't think we've done a social media episode yet. I don't know if I can handle it right now. Grieving. Well, I'm not on it, so it's like I, I'm I'm going to take the righteous indignation. <laughs> that's why we, That's why I've never brought it up. Yeah, I'm going to be super judgy. <laughs> yep, I know. Number three, grieve with hope. First Thessalonians four thirteen to fourteen. You've already mentioned this in illusion at least a couple times, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, uh, Paul says to the church uh, uh, who's you know, had people pass away and they're curious about the resurrection mm-hmm. and when it's coming and what we should be expecting here. Uh, brothers, about those who are asleep, those who have died, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. So, Michael, this is your celebration service passage. Right? You should be <laughs> celebrating. Um, for since we, and this is important to add, verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus Christ, God will bring with him all those who have fallen asleep. Mm-hmm. So Paul's saying, grieve, you're going to grieve. We, we are informing you, brothers, we want you to know about the resurrection of Jesus Christ actually helps you 
grieve, uh, not grieve as those who do not have hope. Grieve, mm-hmm. but don't grieve as those who have no hope. So that your hope is your your grief isn't hopelessness. Your sadness, your absence of happiness isn't hopeless. And that's one of the great false teachings that, that grief gives us and teaches us. Uh, that that feeling will teach us the theology of hopelessness. And so, you know, I one of the passages that I think goes well with this is the idea that when uh, the moment when the women are fleeing or they're running from the tomb after having heard that Jesus was resurrected. And it says in uh, Matthew that they they went away from the tomb uh, afraid and filled with joy. And it's like, well, were they afraid or were they filled with joy? Yeah. And the answer is yeah. yes. Yeah. They're terrified and they're exuberant at the resurrection at the same time. I mm-hmm. just I like to remind people. I need to be reminded myself when I'm talking to my kids and my wife and my church. We're complex people because God is a complex God. God mm. can cause grief and not intend grief at the same time. God yeah. can look at the cross and go, "This is wonderful and this is terrible." Yeah. He can shine the light through Jesus Christ and He can cover Christ with the clouds at the same time over yeah. over the crucifixion. Uh, so, so that we can we have that capacity to mourn and have hope at the same time. It's wonderful, right? Yeah, and I think too in this, I can't help but see, feel like okay, this. I hope this isn't a stretch, but that there's an implicit promise in this mm-hmm. to the Thessalonians mm-hmm. who are grieving the loss of members of their congregation, mm-hmm. and the implicit promise here is that God's going to bring them back with Him. Mm-hmm. God through Jesus is going to bring them back with Him. Mm-hmm that the implicit promise is you're going to see them again, right? I don't think it's you're implicit. Going to be, he says in verse 14, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Yeah, that's what I mean. Is like I think that the he doesn't say, and you will see them again. Like he doesn't say that, right. but implicit in that comment is the reason that we have hope and the reason that we don't, we don't grieve as those with no hope mm-hmm. is that we're going to see them again. You're going to dwell with them for eternity. You're going to know them, mm-hmm. and and I think that's so often a a you know one of those uh, difficult things to wrap our mind around. Hey, what will I see? What will I experience? Who will I know? Will I actually know my mom who died? Or we will I? I mean, I'm not saying my mom didn't die. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. like you know, yeah. as an example, or whatever, my wife or whatever. Will I know them? Will I see them? And it it seems like what Paul is indicating is the part of the reason we have no we have we don't grieve as those who have no hope is that we will see them again we will mm-hmm. recognize them we will know them even in a better way than we know them now yeah. which is is such an encouragement yeah to know that this is this isn't over yeah so this so the implicit instruction is you, you will see them again yeah yeah and i think i think so important clarification here is that this is i've been to funerals that are not christian where all the songs are country music, there's no gospel, there is no reason to believe that this person actually trusted Jesus Christ. But the hope at the funeral, while we're all grieving, is we're going to see each other again. And it's just a plain plastic, thin, hey, we're all going to heaven. Don't worry, we'll see each other again. And Paul's not saying that at all. Paul is talking to Christians who have put their faith and have been united with Jesus Christ who have had their sins forgiven 
through his death and resurrection, as you were uh, teaching last night, as I, I presume we, we have been saved, we're being saved, we will be saved all through our faith in Jesus Christ. So if you're thinking, hey, we're all going to die and we're all going to see each other again, the Bible does not teach that. The Bible is teaching right. that if you have put your faith in Christ and they have put their faith in Christ, and we are all personally united to him as our Savior, then remember, he rose from the dead, and we will too. If you do right. not have your faith in Christ, and you have not put your faith in him, and, and you and you die without faith in Christ, there is no hope or assurance. Right. You ought to be mourning as those with no hope. Right. It, it, sorry, right. It, it is about Christ, right, the, the reminder is we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and through Jesus, God will bring them back. Yes. So if you want to see your family again, tell them about Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you want to see your neighbors again, tell them about Jesus. Because mm-hmm. only through Jesus will God bring with him those who've fallen asleep, period. Right. If they're not in Christ, then we're going to be doing a lot of mourning with no hope for them. Yes, and when, when our loved ones pass away that don't know Jesus, that's a we get a little taste of that, mm-hmm. right? And like I've seen I've seen that a... morning in our church uh, differences in the past years when someone uh, in our church or connected to our church through family dies and they're not Christians. It's a different grief. When someone dies and we there's a bunch of conversations swirling around. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to think this person was a Christian. It's different grief. I mean, worlds of different grief. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the ability to to mourn as those who have hope. Right. Let's go, let's go to the next one. Grieving yeah. over man's spiritual state in Mark chapter three. Jesus uh, uh, wants to heal a man on the Sabbath, and the Pharisees get angry at him. And he looked around at them. This is Mark chapter three, verse five. Jesus looked around at them at the Pharisees with anger. And grieved. That's the good old word for grief in the New Testament. He grieved, he was sad and unhappy at their hardness of heart and said to them, Man, stretch out your hand. Said to the man, he was trying to heal, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. Jesus looks at the Pharisees who are hardened of heart and they are so much more in love with the law and their own self-righteousness that when they look at a man being healed, all they can think about is the law being fulfilled. And that mm. actually angers Jesus and grieves Jesus, which makes me think two things. One, first of all, anger and grief can both be righteous at the same time, in the same heart, about the same thing. It's possible as a capacity, because mm-hmm. Jesus does mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. He looked at them with anger, and he grieved at their hardness of heart. Mm-hmm. The second mm-hmm. thing would be, uh, this is a cause for grief. Mm-hmm. Looking at someone who has a hardness of heart is not something to only get angry about. It's something to go, oh my gosh, that is terrible. That is, that's awful. Well, how yeah. sad. How right. sad that they are so hardened of heart. I know where you're going. Rather than, <laughs> uh, you know, r- rather than kind of get up Sorry. next to them and get angry back at them and harden your own heart back at them. You're you're yeah. actually grieved at their at their hardness of heart. Yeah. That's a right grief and a grief that it's a right grief shouldn't be yeah. absent. It's Christ-like uh, yeah. to grieve over those who are hardened at the Lord. And I don't know if I could say this definitively, but perhaps one of the 
most appropriate forms of anger is a grieving anger, mm-hmm. right? Where right. it's it it the only way to express it is both anger and grief. Yeah. Like it makes me mad. <laughs> You're pounding your you fist know? on the table and crying at the same time. <laughs> yeah, kind of like it, it it frustrates me so much that that it's there's just hard heart of heart they can't hear yeah. they can't see yeah and there's nothing you can do about it yeah. you know they're just you know that that's a i'm talking from a human perspective mm-hmm. there's nothing i can do about right. it you know there's you know whatever that it's um yeah so I, perhaps one of the more appropriate forms of anger yeah is a, a grieving anger yep and, and yeah. it also goes back to how god tr- uh, treated and uh was providential in his relation with israel uh, him, themselves as a whole to bring them into exile. Um, all right, number five. Uh, we can be grieved in order to be tested. First Peter chapter one, verse six and seven. Uh, the dis- the Christians that Peter's writing to are going through all kinds of trials and persecution, mm-hmm. and he says, "In this you rejoice." So think about the combination of rejoicing and grieving in this passage. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. <laughs> he just said rejoice that you've been grieved. Yeah. I mean, just let that sink in. Rejoice that you've been grieved so that the testing, the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I mean, that takes our ideas of grief and turns it on its head. Mm-hmm. You've been rejoiced that you've been grieved by trials because those trials test your faith. When your faith is proven, that grief, which proves your faith, actually results in praise and glory and honor. So rather than your grief just resulting in grief, <laughs> it can actually produce something wonderful and holy uh, in the, the, the remembering and the looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. Um, I don't think that's a nat- natural inclination of ours. We have to learn it from Scripture when I'm being grieved to kind of step back out of our own grief, our own trials, and go, wait a second, this is a test. Yeah. And how wonderful, how wonderful it is as a Christian to be on the other side of grief and go, I'm still a Christian. Yeah. I still believe in Jesus. I still trust yeah. God. In fact, I yeah. trust him more now because of those afflictions and those griefs. I, I actually I actually have a more sure faith. The more funerals I go to, the more uh, things that I've lost in the world, the more trials that have come of various kinds, he says, the more my faith keeps getting tested, and the more I keep being sure in Jesus yeah. Christ, and the happier I am. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Is that great? Yeah, it's a refining process, mm. and it's it's the most difficult to see in the middle of the trial that it's a refining process. Mm. But you see that both before and after the trial, mm-hmm. that it has been a refining process. Yeah. And that it's tough to go through, and you wouldn't want to go through it again, but it's a refining process. I think perhaps to understand this passage, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress is mm. is 
may be the best at describing this process mm-hmm. um, of any book I've ever read. There's kids' versions. There's easy-to-read versions. Mm-hmm. There's all. I mean, there is basically no reason not to read it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we re- we more recently just ordered from uh, I think it's a company called Ten of the Ten of These or mm-hmm. Ten of Those. I can't remember if it's 10 of these or 10 of those. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, the shipping is like a dollar. and Or the and Alabama version, 10 of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Alabama people. It's really Texas. I grew up in East Texas. It's really East Texas people. 10 of them. Go, go ahead. <laughs> ten, 10 of them. Uh, yeah, but... There, we ordered a kids a kids version. It's two volumes, and it's uh, the, the Pilgrim's Progress is one, and then the other one is his family mm-hmm. afterwards. Um, and it's a kids book, and my kids love it. They absolutely love it. It's mm. I couldn't recommend it enough. And uh, but it's so great at understanding just this process. And really, I think when you read the Pilgrim's Progress, backing up from it, when you go through just regular things of life, you're like envisioning this part mm-hmm. of the of the pilgrim's road mm-hmm. you know you're like oh yeah i can see the testing here mm-hmm. in the middle of this this thing mm-hmm. and it's so great at describing that but i think it's exactly what peter is getting at yeah uh last one that i've actually got a, a bonus verse for us to end with uh number six you can be grieved toward repentance and another one that you could call this is godly grief toward repentance so Paul, in his second letter, or you know, third, perhaps we might have had lost second one actually. He wrote his first letter to fourth. them, and uh, well, let's just say Paul, Paul was pretty, uh, uh, he was pretty upset with the Corinthians. Uh, they had a lot of problems. They were suing each other. They were divided. They had celebrity pastors. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. Um, <laughs> It, and it was still a church. And it was a church. So it was a glorious, <laughs> wonderful church. And so apparently between first and what we know as second Corinthians, there was some correspondence. <laughs> Maybe the church was going, hey, Paul. <laughs> or there was correspondence between Paul's um, messengers. I don't remember who they were um, going, man, the, the, that was tough. That, that was a rough letter, Paul. And so here's what Paul says. He says, for even if I made you grieve with my letter, I do not regret it, though I did regret it, for I see that the letter grieved you, though only for a while. As it is, I rejoice. Here's more rejoicing and grieving. As it is, I rejoice, not because you were grieved, right? You kind of hear Lamentations 3. It's not God's joy that you're grieved. He doesn't grieve you from his heart. I rejoice not because you were grieved, but because you were grieved into repenting. For you felt a godly grief so that you suffered no loss through us. Mm. So the idea is here, you heard Paul's letter uh, in First Baptist Corinth, and you recognize, wow, we're in sin. Oh, gosh, woe is us. And you feel it, and you hate it, and you hate your sin. You realize yeah. this division and the drunkenness and the membership lacks, we, it, it really is not good. Right, And Paul says, I'm so sorry that you had to feel like that, guys, but I'm really glad you did because it was yeah. a godly grief and it led you to repentance. So yeah. that, that grief, that sadness, that emotion 
over our own sin when another brother comes to speak to us the truth and love. So all, this happens all the time, right? Someone comes to speak to us the truth and love, has it, and, and we respond to whether it's good or not based on how it makes us feel immediately. Mm-hmm. I've never been corrected in truth and love, and probably, I don't think, and my first and only reaction was, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Wow. I love more can you just give me some more correction and, re- and rebuke i this i woke up today hoping this one no my first reaction is who do you think you are right don't you know i'm a pastor you, you you want to correct me that's my first thought um right but later uh in, in god's kindness you can get to a place where you go man that was really good uh, yeah. that, that's actually more loving i feel so yeah. loved by being corrected and and helped, right? And it's a it is Paul calls it a godly grief, right? Oh, so good. That can yeah. really change the way you think about experiencing the emotion of grief and yeah. sadness, if you, if you will, to give it another word. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think I have anything other to add to that. That uh, perhaps other than perhaps we don't consider that frequently right that maybe your grief is there to remind you of sin yep maybe you're grieving for because of something you've done yep and, and how should and, and what a warning to us if we're just running around and we never feel grief for sin i mean just look at our life the last week look at our life the last year have we ever felt felt crappy and grievous about our sin if not right we might need a letter. Yeah. We might need someone to help us. And we might need to listen to the yeah. sermons at church a little bit more acutely and personally. Yeah. Yeah. The last one. Yeah. So this is our bonus verse. doesn't actually have the word grieving, but you, you've got it. We have to add it. Revelation 22. This is the end when the garden is uh, eternally renewed as heaven itself. God's going to be with his people. Jerusalem, the city, comes down to earth. All things are going to be made right. Those who are not in Christ are going to be removed, grieving forever. Those who are in Christ are going to be with God, rejoicing forever. There will be a great division. Revelation 22, verses 3 through 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. It's like he's saying in the gospel, grief will one day be past tense. Yeah. Only. Yeah. Only. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, um, I, I mean, it's hard to add anything to that. You know, it's, that is the essence of Paul's, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Mm-hmm that we know that there's an end date to this. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the wicked, for those that are outside of Christ, there's no end to their grief. Mm-hmm. You know, we we grieve knowing that there is a terminus. There's an end. Mm-hmm. We don't know when the end date is, 
but there's an end. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, honestly, that there's so much hope in that to know, you know, my wife and I talk about this all the time of just, just the everyday struggles. It's not even like, it's not like some massive sin or something like that. That's like, you know, hidden or whatever. It's, it's more frequently just the everyday nagging, you know, selfishness or anger or, you know, lust or greed or whatever that just every day kind of picks at you. Mm-hmm. It's those things that, that are the, to me, are the grief producers, you know, uh, the things where you think, man, am I just not past this, you know? And it's, it's such a frustrating sometimes experience living as a Christian, knowing that, uh, I don't want to struggle with these things. Mm -hmm. I want to be past these things. Mm -hmm. Or when you see people die and you realize how futile those things are, Mm -hmm. you know, that just, and how fleeting life is. It's just a vapor. And you see people around you in your church that are saints that are old and, and, you know, you, you think about, I can't help but think about, you know, I don't want to, to really see life without them in it, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, or, or your wife or your kids. And you, and you don't want to see, you don't really want to experience life without them in it. Yeah. But you know that you live long enough and you're going to. Right. And you know, I, I'm I'm comforted by the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Mm. You know, that it, it's but it's difficult. It's really it's really tough. You know? I mean, that when you consider all the things every day it's just it's it's never ending. You're constantly berated by your own flesh, by your own sinfulness. Or by the just opportunities to despair. And if it's not people that you know, if it's not people in your family, if it's not friends and things like that, then it's news articles, you know, that you read of just constantly things going on around the world, wars and and people shooting up grocery stores and schools. And Mm -hmm. I mean, all of these things just continually, it's never ending. And, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's too much to bear. Yeah. You know, and it's, there's, there's not a better passage, I think, in scripture, a more comforting passage in scripture than John saying, God will wipe away every tear. Mm -hmm. And God will do it. God will do it. This is God. It's not just going to, you know, history and Not every tear will be wiped away. Right. God will wipe away every tear. This is not just history and time. One day this time period will stop. Right. This is something that God does. I think if I could la- add yeah. just one last practical application is to take time to consider your grief. If you're very grievous about anything, take time to sit and think about it. That might be the last inclination you have. Your inclination might be get busy, go do something, um, But and, which, which is good, too. About I want to be careful. Go go do your hobby. Get out. Don't just sit home you know, every day for seven days straight and never leave the house. Um but take some time to think through your grief. And if you're not grieving anything at all, 
might be a really good time to stop and think through these passages. Um, right. Clint and I went out of town last week. I don't think she would mind uh, me sharing this. And <laughs> we we uh, we were in uh, San you Antonio. Hope anyway. And huh? You hope anyway. Uh, well, we'll you find out. And uh, I I know the kind of woman she is, Michael. We were in San Antonio, and uh, anytime we go to San Antonio, I I want to go to the Alamo. Uh, I'll go there over and over every time. And never forget, am I right? Never forget. You never forget. I'm trying not to ever forget. It, it opens at nine, and so we just kind of had a you know a plan. We'll walk over there. We were a couple blocks away. We'll walk over there at nine when it opens. Do our thirty minute walk around and go on with life. We're having breakfast around eight. And uh, we just started talking. And we were just, you know, one of the things that came up was just grieving, uh, not grieving, feeling versus not feeling, and how uh, in the Reformed theology camp, a lot of times there can be a rigidness about emotion being absent in, in the whole culture. And uh, so we were talking, th- and we, had, we were having such a serious conversation that moved from breakfast out to the kind of foyer gathering area and one of the waitresses came up and said do you guys need some mimosas <laughs> <laughs> and we talked from 8 until about 12 and the questions that we were wrestling through mimosas tend to make time pass <laughs> the questions <laughs> that we were kidding. wrestling through I, I think I theologically could have answered them in about 5 minutes yeah. But that's not what we needed. Yeah. We didn't just need answers. We needed to feel things out and uh, wrestle with some things, have, have some questions answered. And I think that's what these passages are helping us do, put things, put things in order. Um, take time. Take time. Yeah. You know, go, go stare at some trees for a while. Go stare at a sunset for a while. Go sit at a lake, at an ocean. Go sit on a mountaintop. Take your Bible. Open it up. Think feel these things, wrestle with those things, and and let grief have its effect. God, what are you trying to teach me through this? How is this going to test my faith? What do I believe right now in the midst of all these things? What do I really believe about God? And do I actually believe what God's Word says about my grief and what's going on and what I'm desiring or wanting? Take those definitions of uh, emotions that we had. What am I thinking in my grief? What am I desiring in my grief? What are my motivations in my grief that will help me discern if my right my grief is a righteous grief? Or maybe sometimes, like we've said, like should I be grieving and I'm not? What do I want? What am I thinking? What what motivates me? Should I be sad? Am I having a hard time being sad about things that should I should be sad about? Um, and uh, you know, we could do that alone. We could do that together as well. And it's so good to do it with someone else, another brother or sister uh, in Christ. So, uh, well, good. Well, I'm, I've enjoyed this. Thanks for uh, entertaining it, so to speak, and uh, giving it time. It's good to talk through. Hope it's helpful. for listening to the fire and bones podcast if you enjoyed this podcast consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released 
Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast. Thank you.